there's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CAPITAL200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CAPITAL200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Three, two, one. Never has there been a better time to be alive in human history. If you're not feeling it, you must discover why. Join Matthew Bolton in developing and applying a framework of objective optimism toward a flourishing life of meaning, health, and happiness. Here's your host, Matthew Bolton. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mr. Brightside. I'm Matthew Bolton. Today's show is an interview with special guest Dane Maxwell, and I'm going to take you to the interview in just a minute. Um, I want to tell you kind of just what the interview was and how it went for us. Uh, Dane is very well known for his distinctive ideas in entrepreneurship and sales, and we do discuss some of the familiar ideas of uh, sales by loving your customer, um, customer mechanism results, which is a very interesting idea with many applications we're going to find out. And just the motivation and value of wealth creation in general and financial independence. But then um, we also got into very fascinating conversations about identity, about happiness, um, and just living living a good life. Uh, we dove into fatherhood. Um, he's got a newborn, uh, well, five or six month old daughter. Um, and I just, uh, he really helped me... Uh, Think about things in terms other than I'm that I usually think of them, and kind of open up my mind in a lot of ways. And I think that uh, a lot of people might enjoy this interview and seeing Dane uh, for many of you like you've never seen him before. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to take you right into the interview. Enjoy, guys. guys i mean if we need a better intro than that welcome to uh, the interview now i am oh, with darn. dane yeah 
I'm here with Dane Maxwell. Dane is the co-founder of The Foundation. He's the owner of a multi-million dollar SaaS business and has started 16 businesses in his career. He's been an entrepreneur for over 10 years, and he's the founder of The Foundation, which is a six-month program designed to teach entrepreneurs how to build a profitable SaaS business. He currently owns a multi-million dollar SaaS business, as well as two smaller SaaS products where he does what he teaches. He found building a business around a painful problem to be extremely, extremely lucrative and has encouraged anyone who wants, to, uh, who wants financial freedom to learn that process. He teaches not to follow your passion, but to follow the pain and become passionate about the process of problem solving. His new book, Start From Zero, encourages the reader to embark on the seven learning adventures to create a business from scratch. So Dane, I'm really pleased to have you on. Thanks for coming. That's quite an intro. The only change I would, the only change I'd make to it is that the foundation is now startfromzero.com. You know, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I thought I had heard, I had thought that I thought, I thought he said he changed it somewhere, but I just took the, the bio I had and enrolled with it. So, well, people can go there. They'll probably get, find us find end up finding start from zero, but that was quite, that was quite an intro. I wanted just to share like immediately something to you and you can ask me any questions you want on it. Sure. So anybody that's listening, um, financial freedom, I've got figured out. Other areas, I'm still learning. You know, intimacy is more difficult for me, but I'm leaning into that. And uh, but but financial freedom and financial stuff, it's, it's something I figured out, and it's you know it provides a pretty significant impact on your life, and it's not really that big of a deal. And at the same time, it's really worth it. Like it's really really worth it. Okay. Yes. And I definitely want to get into that aspect of it because what I call human flourishing on this show, which is a big aspect of it is material prosperity. And that what we, what we do want is financial freedom and time freedom so that we can do things that we want to do with our lives and not things that we have to do, uh, what you call exchanging time for money. So I'll, I'll talk about that a little later. I will point out at the start just for, for everybody who knows, you. everybody knows, but uh, just for you, that this is not a financial entrepreneurial business podcast. So what have we got Dane Maxwell on here for? That's his, his expertise. Well, uh, we are about achieving optimal results. We're looking to pursue optimal results here, and that requires clarifying and simplifying our thinking. So I'm always interested to talk to anybody who has developed clear and powerful ways to think about any field, and you fit the bill certainly in entrepreneurship and sales. So I thought we might go a bit down that road of your expertise and establish some of that and, and then maybe branch off into some other areas uh, where it all applies and uh, maybe discuss some things that you don't get discussed on some other shows. So what does that sound you know, like? You know, I, if, um, if, it made, if it made money or if it was easy, I'd probably only ever talk about and do personal development. Okay. It's, it's just my favorite thing in the world to help people with and do. Um, but since, uh, since wealth resides in solving a painful problem and since wealth resides in delinking money from effort, like how do you make money without your personal effort on an ongoing basis? Like, you know, you exert effort to make money. How can you break the link so you don't have to exert effort for that money? You do it by automating, you do it by systemizing, you do it by creating things that exert that effort for you. Um, that's a very important thing. And, and those don't really have to do with personal development. <laughs> right. Well, okay. Well, the, yeah, they are. And I, I did actually want to want to start with that. And if you want to go further into what does it mean to follow the pain 
And how does that contrast to following the passion? Because we're often told we should follow your passion. If you're in business, get your thing and go at it with passion. So give, give us some of that, please, Dane. Well, it's, it's extremely, it, it's extremely pleasurable to do something that works. Yes, I would, I agree with that wholly. Like, like there's a lot of stuff that, you know, people like, if you try to follow your passion, it just ain't working. It does not fun. Even if it's your passion. I found it to be, I found myself becoming very passionate about removing pain from people's lives. Yes. You know, it's almost like if you give money to charity, like how good that feels. It's a similar feeling when you orient your business or your life around, I want to remove pain from people. I want to remove suffering. That's a pretty amazing feeling. Right. Okay. I, and I, I, I feel that too. And I think this is different than what people's general view of what business is. It's about kind of trying to dupe people to, to get, you know, to grab the profits. And it is about maximizing profits, certainly. But like you talk about it in terms of, I've heard you say, talking about going at customers with heart or with love, even that word. And I'm not afraid of that word at all in this context. Would you maybe explain a bit what you mean by that? Yeah. So to me, business is not about maximizing profit. It's about maximizing love. And profit's a measure of how well you're doing that. Because, you know, I had, so I got recently featured on Forbes and it's not that big of a deal to me. I just do it because it helps with press and stuff. But like people really freak out about that. Oh my God, you're on Forbes. Congratulations. I'm like, "Uh, okay. Um, You know, hire a PR person, have them hound Forbes for a few months. You'll probably get on there. You know, it's not. Okay. Sounds good. Right. Yeah. You know, but you know, add value in in between. Yeah. So continuing that story. Um, I uh, posted that I was on Forbes on my Facebook and I had a, a, a comment on there by a woman named Isabel C. Diaz. And I remember her full name because I love her. Okay. And I remember her full name because she was my fifth customer of all time. Okay. And that, and she posted on the comment, she said, I still remember when I met you back in 2003 congratulations on all your success. So that was a long time ago. 2003 is a long time ago. I think it was more like 2006. I don't know if she remembers correctly, actually. If I think about it, it was 2006 because um, I was in college in 2003. I wasn't talking to her then. But in 2006, I, uh, there's a little one in the background. But in 2006, she was my fifth customer. And it just, it, she changed. She's one of those people that changed my life. And, I wasn't trying to make money off her. I was trying to alleviate her suffering. Right. And I was trying to love her and she paid me money for the alleviation of her suffering. I made profit on her and she was still happy for my success 15 years later. That's the realm of business that I play in. Mm -hmm. And so if if you're um, the purpose of business is Real business alleviating suffering for people. That's right. I, I, and I just, and when you hear that part that I profit off of that person, that's where it just turns people off. And I don't get that if you understand clearly what you're talking about, that it comes from adding value to, to alleviating people's suffering or their problems, solving their problems, alleviating their pain, then yes, well, you should, I mean, this is a win-win and that means both people win and you win in the form of money. So, um, and Enjoying. I am profiting off of this transaction. Yeah. So I've had a lot of blocks around that. So I started asking my customers, I said, Hey, 
how do you feel that I'm profiting off of you on this transaction? And they're like, oh, it's fine. That's what I'm trying to do too. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. You ask them that and they say that. Yeah. Right. I mean, just even asking that question. Right. Right. So, but there's a lot of conditioning around like profit, 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 profit being bad. Yes. Um, and I did, we did a study of our top entrepreneurs across 26 different personality factors. And one of the top traits was fairness. Okay. Not, this is the, not, not maximizing profit. Fairness. This would be the hexaco personality. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes, I did. That, that's very curious then because it is relevant right here. And I was, I wanted to know more about that. If you could just kind of break that down for us a bit and why do you find it useful at all? It's a, it's a pretty accurate academic, almost scientific explanation of a personality across 26 different factors, social self-esteem, diligence, uh, fearfulness, organization, Man, there's so many different traits, creativity, um, dependency, you know, altruism, greed avoidance. Like how much do you avoid? Like most of my students were uh, low on greed avoidance, which means they didn't avoid expressing their wealth. Like if you have high greed avoidance, you won't display your wealth very high. And a lot of people have high greed avoidance. So if that's, if you have that, then don't express your wealth, give it away. But uh, it's, not everybody cares about making a lot of money, but I really do. I want to. I want to. I want to create a, a lot of wealth. Maybe a hundred million plus. Yeah, know? let's go for and, it, man. Why not? Yeah, that that seems like a meaningful goal to me. You know, but but I'm not uh, working fifteen hours a day and neglecting my family, and I've got systems set up, and I'm building great teams, and it's pleasurable. Like I'm not. I am not suffering every day. I'm waking up exhilarated every single day. Um, and that goal just, that seems like a pretty cool goal. It does. Can you maybe define the meaning in it for you? Why is that a meaningful goal? What would you say that? Because it makes me uncomfortable. Okay. That's, uh, that's something I say too. I, I kind of, <laughs> any, anything that happens now, and, I've, and this has been a policy of mine for some years now, I kind of, if I'm a little, I mean, if it seems valuable at, at all, I mean, it can't just be anything, but if it seems valuable and I feel a little uncomfortable about it, then I immediately turn on and say, yes, I just say yes to it and then make it happen, whatever I'm going to do, because, you know, I mean, amazing. Yeah. yeah and, that, and that's how you're going to, that because you have to be uncomfortable to grow it. I don't really think it's no pain, no gain, but it's certainly no discomfort, no pain, right? You go to the gym or something and you don't need to be, be in pain or suffer, but you need to definitely be uncomfortable and push your body further for it to grow or else it won't. You can't just lift this pen and do that. Okay. And you're going to grow the context that you're living in makes all the difference in the world. Because if if I have a context that is, um, you know, there's, there's a chance that I may want to buy like a $10 million home that puts every single family member I know in it. So my whole family gets to live together. And there's a chance that I could earn so much money that I could say, Hey mom, dad, don't worry about a thing. Hey uh, sister, you can stop being a physician's assistant. Let's all, let's just hang out and enjoy life together. Right. Well, I mean, this is something I've, I've thought of. So like I said, I, I, you know, what I, what I'm looking for when I say living an optimal life, that's what human flourishing means. And so it's about 
mm-hmm. living living to your fullest potential. Say the the optimi- the most uh, you know optimizing. And uh, when you that word is an English English word, which is a rough translation of a Greek word eudaimonia, which is defined as a contented state of health, prosperity, and happiness. And the prosperity part refers to material prosperity. And I want to. And I want that. That's why I want money in the first place. Is I want, I want more time in my life. So when I say that I want financial freedom, what I really want is time freedom. So um, because, like you said, you can free up, you get all the build, you know, amass this wealth. You can buy this home. You can make choices you want to make. You can you can offer choices to people you love to make the choices they want to make instead of the things that they feel they have to make. So that's what I'm looking for in financial freedom and why I'm interested in this topic at all. And, and because I don't think it's negligible. I don't think it's, oh, we pursue happiness and health. And then, yeah, you kind of work and you, you know, you get money. No, it's like really great to amass a lot of wealth. It's a good thing. Yes, um, it, very, it very much is. Yeah. Most, uh, uh, most, most, most decisions are, most every decision is made with money in mind. It is. So you say you, want, you say you don't want money to control you and yet, it controls every decision that you make. Yeah. It's a big factor in the decision. It has to be one of the components Uh, before maybe we go more into that stuff, just back to your like original ideas, this customer mechanism results. I know it's, you'd probably talk about a lot, but I I really think it has a lot of applications. So I would love you to, to break that down for us. What does that mean? And because it's very distinctive in, in entrepreneurship sales. Yes. The Holy grail of business that I have found is a clear customer wants a clear result. So we use a clear mechanism. So now coronavirus comes and wipes out quite a few businesses, but that's only because exceptions pending. There are definite exceptions to this rule. It's generally because most people suffer from mechanism first thinking. What's my idea? What's my idea? Oh, Facebook meets Craigslist, oh, some YouTube competitor, whatever it is. They're like, here's my idea. That's mechanism first thinking. And, and most new entrepreneurs make the mistake of thinking that the mechanism is what puts them in business. But if you look at actually the holy grail of business, money comes from people, not mechanisms. And, and the mechanisms are a part of it, but the people are first, not the mechanism. Because the people have to be there. So clear customer, clear person. They're not buying a mechanism. They're buying a result. And it's a very important, very important distinction because Corona comes and wipes out a lot of businesses. Like, a, like let's say they're not wiped out, but let's take a yoga studio. They can't go to yoga anymore. Well, yeah, that's so happening. Yoga, right? So the yoga person is like, my business is destroyed. Well, it's on hold right now. You know, um, only if you believe in mechanism first thinking, if you actually realize that there's still customers out there that still want the result of yoga, you could deliver it virtually. You could, you could innovate the mechanism, the customers out there, they still want the result. The mechanism needs to innovate. So that's, that's the, that's the whole. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? (laughs) Of course it is, but good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, 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 oh,
This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Grail of business. It creates so much freedom and it, it pierces straight through the heart of fear. Because if you think about it, if you, if you, if you think about it, there's, so I'll give, the, I'll, I'll give this in the context of something else. So the proper context to start a business, real nice, real relaxed, real nourishing, real safe, real enjoyable. That context is people first, problem second, sales third, outsource product creation fourth, get a result with that product and that first customer fifth, scale to others sixth. All right. People first, problem second, sales third, outsource product creation fourth, get a result with that first customer fifth, scale to others sixth. So okay. now you have clear customer, clear result, clear mechanism. So I got a student of mine. He's made 22 grand in the last month or two by calling high schools during coronavirus, mm-hmm. asking them what their problems are. And they're saying, we have a lot of kids that are going to miss graduation. It's a serious issue. Kids are okay. So the result that this is the sale, the sale he made was for graduation videos. So then he outsourced that graduation videos to a videographer and now he's been scaling it to other schools. He's made 22 grand during coronavirus. So now you think, you think about you can make money so easily, so quickly and so fast and in such an enjoyable way that it could just make your whole head spin Mm -hmm. with this context of people first, problem second, sales third, outsource creation fourth, get a result with that first customer fifth, then scale to others sixth. Yeah, a, a lot of people now you, they hear you say that and you go it's so easy this and that, but people just can't, I can't buy it. They just go, it, no, it has to be hard, right? And I wonder, right. maybe like your book is start from zero, and you yeah. mean by that zero ideas, you got zero cash, zero experience, zero confidence. What do you what are you saying to people? And why, why would why would someone I haven't ha- had the time before this interview to, to get the book and then have time to read it? So, uh, but why would I read the book? Why would someone? And why did you write the book? Why did you feel like I got to write this book? Well, part of me wrote the book to prove that I was a capable entrepreneur. Okay, you know, I was like, I want to show that I'm capable. Like, can I put this succinctly? I can do this myself. I've got 15 millionaire students to date that I can track. I think there's more. In fact, I know there's more. I think one email emailed me the other day and that's incredible, but can I put it in a book? And so like the hundred million also is like, am I capable of that? Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's a pretty fun like stretch. It's like, you know, why are you want to try and squat a thousand pounds? I just want to try to be capable. I mean, so that was, that was one of it, but the larger purpose was I feel and felt called to contribute to humanity with a book that would be one of the greatest gifts that I could give while I'm alive, which would be a 302 page book broken down into seven learning adventures that anybody could read and successfully start a business without any, without needing anything else. Totally. You might give us a, a kind of a brief uh, summary of the seven learning adventures. What does that mean? Yeah. So have you read any of the book? 
I haven't read any of the book. No, but okay, I'm, okay. I'm looking. Yeah. Okay, good. So that helps me. I, I, what I can say, <laughs> what I can, I can't say. So um, it's broken down seven learning adventures. So uh, let's just back up a second. And I want to say that, you know, Russell Brunson is a, is a inspiring guy. And he said a quote, he said, um, the life you want will be fueled by the business you build. Okay. So you could, you could fulfill, you could swap that in with anything, but um, if, if, if you build a business, it can, it can basically create, I mean, they're, they're businesses are gifts. They're, they're beautiful expressions and gifts, especially when done with the intention of alleviating suffering. So anyway, seven learning adventures. First is the three little rocks. You take these three rocks, you put them in your pocket. Once you got those three rocks in your pocket, you're ready to go on adventure two. Adventure two is learning what you don't need. You don't need idea. You don't need money. You don't need experience. You don't need confidence. How did the first entrepreneur start his business when he had nothing? The heart of entrepreneurship is starting from zero. How did the guy start a business when he was 20 and he had nothing? So that's how businesses start. So everything that's started. How that's how everything started from zero. So how, so it's nothing like, it's like, that's normal. So what you don't need, and then talk about what you do need. And what you do need is an internal identity shift. On the personal development level, identity is the character of the person that you think you are. So you could say, I'm not a business person. Well, that's just a belief. That's an identity in your head that you could actually just say, you know what, I'm going to decide to be a business person, and you're there. And all you did was made a simple decision with an identity. And, you know, like I did, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be a musician now. So I switched into being a musician and I released three albums and it was amazing and fun. But on an identity level, you want to know and learn how to speak to the unconscious mind where the identity lives and implant that identity and then also live beyond the identity at the same time. It's really trippy, but it creates so much results. Mm-hmm. So, so many results, however you want to say that. So what, what you do needs an identity, a new, a new relationship to identity. Cause you know, you're like, Oh, I'm an employee. Oh, I'm a fitness trainer. You know what? No, I'm a coach. I'm a speaker. I'm an author, you know, and these things are so ingrained that you may not even go down the realm of entrepreneurship, but it's only, man, it's pretty much just an identity. Okay. I see all that. Uh, one, one thing before I move into shift into something else here, uh, I was curious just about SAS in general. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I don't want to disqualify myself from being able to talk to you, but I didn't even know what SAS was a few months ago until my friends started getting into the, the business. Now I'm quite aware of what it is. Now it's a very simple concept, but would you just lay it out for us really briefly, but also why do you focus on software uh, as opposed to other businesses? It makes me feel like a kid, a six-year-old kid. Um, it's a very lovely business to be in. I feel peaceful. I feel lit up. Um, so I, I launched my first, my first software as a service product was a little website for real estate companies to help them recruit real estate agents. Yep. I had no money and I didn't come up with the idea. I had very little confidence and I had no experience. So my first customer, thank God, was my uncle. And I asked him, I told him I wouldn't be able to afford the developer. He's like, well, how much is the developer going to cost? He's like, well, they said they're going to build the product for $2,000. For $2,000. And um, he's like, okay, well, I'll just pay the development costs and you give it to me free for life. 
that kind of thing. I, I, I actually sold him more than he did that to me. Cause he's like, well, what are you going to charge me? Well, no, he was really amazing. Cause he's like, well, what are you going to charge me? I was like, I'm gonna charge you 50 bucks a month. He's like, no, you should charge me a hundred. I was like, okay, I'll char- charge you double, <laughs> charge you a hundred. And so I went on this old website and I asked someone to make me a software product. And I just, you know, it's, it's just like, if you wanted someone to write you a book, you'd go on a job board and say, I'm looking for someone to write me a book on gerbils and someone would write you a book on gerbils. You can just as easily go to a job board and say, I'm looking for someone to write me a software product. And you'll get a ton of people that want to help you write a software product. Now, now if picking the right person, so that takes some practice, but you can just Google how to, how, to hire, how to hire the right software developer, read a couple articles, you're good to go. It really, literally. So I hired this woman, I have no idea what I'm doing. And she creates a, uh, a variable in the database to store credit cards as clear text. So the credit card numbers are getting stored as clear text without encryption. All right. It's not good. So I hire a developer to fix this <laughs> when I find it out. And so like, I'm fucking terrified. I got MSN messenger and I'm like on rentacoder.com, which no longer exists. Please help credit card stored as clear text. Need this fixed. Post a job, find a developer. He's like, I can solve this. And so we start encrypting credit cards. And so in order for a variable to store in a database, it needs a a quote and an end quote. Like, so you have like variable credit card equals quote and then the number end quote. That's how variables get stored in software. Okay. So um, we use something called an MD5 encryption hash, which I didn't know anything about and I still don't, other than I know it changes a number to something cryptic that you can't decipher. Okay. So he starts doing this encryption. And it breaks the system. The system just breaks. It doesn't work anymore. And what we found out is there's a certain credit card. And I had to, I had to help him think through this. And it was, a, it was like a pain, but also now really pleasurable to talk about. Okay. And what we found out was there was a certain credit card number. And I haven't told this, this hardly anywhere. So there's a certain credit card number. And that if the numbers were together, the encryption would produce one of those quote signs. Okay which means the variable would cut off in the middle because the quote beginning quote and end quote is how a variable is stored. So the encryption was and puts a quote out based on a certain string of numbers, puts out a quote and the MD five hash people hadn't figured this issue out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's a pretty, seems like a basic issue. And so a customer it's working fine. A customer comes and tries to use it, puts their credit card and crashes the system. Well, my whole net worth rested on one line of code. But you know, your net worth can be a very, very high on just one line of code. But th- like, so I just, but I just, I love that process because like, okay, it's not working. Need developer for this. Find developer, they do it. And this comes from clear customer, clear result, clear mechanism. The key with mechanism is you don't build the product yourself. Whether you're selling a parrot training program, get a parrot expert to teach that. Give them 20% of the profit. And you focus on customers and results and selling and outsource the mechanism. In software, clear customer, real estate company, clear result, recruit real estate agents online, clear mechanism, online recruiting software, outsource that mechanism. I get that thing working and I'm making money while I sleep. Yes, right. And I made money and I made money so fast, man. It, 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 it built up so fast and it built up fast because I made money fast and I made money fast because the, the tool was really, really useful. Mm-hmm. So 
I built a very successful SaaS business now, the multi-million dollar one, which um, I got an eight-figure offer on to sell this week. A guy wanted to buy it for more than eight figures. That's not that's I, that, is that paperless pipeline? Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. And and um, I just said no. Okay, like I won't yeah, even I won't even sell it for anything close to ten million dollars. I just way it was worth way more than that, mm-hmm. and, and like it's a really valuable asset. And I yes. built it the same way I built the first one. Clear customer, clear result, outsource mechanism. Yes. And no, you shouldn't just go start building software. You'll get, you'll get your butt rocked. Um, but what I, I had so much fun doing this and I was pretty naturally gifted at it. So I started teaching people how to build SaaS because I thought it was the easiest thing in the world to build. Turns out it's not. I just happened to be good at it. But the way that I built software, man, is I'd have an idea, I'd write it up on a piece of paper and a pen, I'd take a picture of it, I'd send it to a developer, and then I'd play Xbox while it was getting built. Right. And I was like, this is an amazing life. Why aren't more people doing this? And then when it got built, then when I got built, I'd go find customers and say, hey, you want to use this product to get this result? And they're like, yeah, sounds great. And they'd sign up. And I had one product I built called the Agent Care Center, agentcarecenter.com, which is like broken now. Um, but it made over half a million dollars, that product over 10 years mm-hmm. and it, it averaged like four grand a month. And all that was, was 40 people paying me a hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. for a little product that helped them organize their office that I had built with a, 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 a beautiful couple in Slovenia for, you know, a few grand. Okay. It's, it's, it's stupid numbers. It's just incredible. Right. And then you got excited and wanted to tell people about it. Right. So you want to be, let's, I want to mentor people and I want to. I want to share this, yep. this power and guess what? people and write a book. Yeah. And guess what? What? Uh, I, uh, I was doing some journaling and I found out what I wanted to spend my time doing. And it was so nice to get clarity on that. I was like, Oh my God, I know what I want to spend my time doing. And it's building SaaS businesses. Mm-hmm. But that took me eight years to realize because I, I had, I built paperless pipeline up to 28 years old. And then I stepped away from it to start teaching. Cause all these people wanted like the dang teach, teach, teach. I'm like, Oh my God, this feels so good to have this attention and to feel wanted and to feel needed. Of course, of course. And you guys need help. And I think I'm the best person to do it. And this is the next step in my journey. Yes. And so I taught, but now as I reflected back, I'm like, I would have never taught entrepreneurship ever in a million years. If I didn't have a software as a service business in the background, cranking cash and building equity for me every single day. But now I know what I want to do and it feels very amazing. So I'm building two SaaS products as, as, as we speak right now mm-hmm. on the both. Like I'm at my edge, like I'm at the edge of overwhelm. I'm at the edge of breakdown. And I like that. Like I like, like how much can I do? That's too much. I'm stressed. Let me back up and renegotiate this. Like I'm always trying to push into push. Oh, I can't, no, nope, I can't sleep anymore. Let me back off on this thing. But like for me, life is about like expanding in the projects that I can create so the two SaaS businesses and then start from zero are my churches. Okay. Right and, and that's what you're calling playing on the edge. Is that right? This is what you're describing now? Is that what yeah, I've, heard play, you, I've heard you say that? Yeah. But playing on the edge is like, so my struggle with intimacy, this one's difficult for me because I had physical abuse growing up and not for my parents. My parents are great. The, the world, not so much. And so when my heart starts to feel vulnerable, a lot of anger will come up inside of me. And it's like, it's, it's unconscious. So like, it's really scary. So like 
I'm a beautiful baby girl. She's between five and six months old and I have a beautiful partner. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sometimes I like to make my partner wrong. You know, eh, you know, maybe she ain't that great. You know, all this, all this. All this yeah. Oh my God. Oh, she's so stupid. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, she's never she's never those things. Actually, it's only my own mind projecting these things. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But then I hold my daughter, and I start seeing the same thoughts about her, and I'm thinking, "Whoa, those aren't my thoughts. I love my daughter. Those are patterns that fire in my mind when intimacy starts to happen." Yes, it has to be something else. It can't be that it's that person because you've seen but, it now. Because it's my daughter where there's only unconditional love. So when I hold something I unconditionally love and I hear stupid patterns like this, I'm like, oh God, those, those are patterns. And so, you know, it's easier. Like, so playing at my edge in this realm is holding my daughter and then watching these thoughts come up and then seeing them as real thoughts, but not true and seeing them as compassion and seeing that somehow I'm trying to prove that I don't want to love people or somehow I want to prove that love isn't for me and I'm going to make sure that that stays the case the whole time. And so playing at my edge for that is like, hey, sweetheart, will you hold my hand right now? Because I don't even feel like I belong here. And that would be playing at, that'd be playing at my edge in relationship. So... Yeah, but playing at my age in business is definitely in that realm. It's like, how how can I go like this safely? Okay, very good. All right. Um, as to, um, let's, say, let's say now, customer mechanism uh, result. I want to bring this into the realm of what I call human flourishing or personal development. And let me, I'll lay this on you and you tell me if this sounds like about right. So let's imagine if we want to apply this framework to improving our own lives. So I look at myself, I'm the customer and what's the result I want. And then I might say, well, I want to lose weight. And then we kind of jump on the first mechanism that seems to satisfy that. And it's, it's never going to work. And I think for two parts is one, we're not paying enough attention to the result we want. So we're not looking at ourselves with enough love, say, or care and really defining holy like what do you really want and i mean i have one one episode called what does health look and feel like and the idea is people usually think well if i just lost weight i'd probably be happy but that's not the result they want the result they want is to feel good to look good to have energy to live a long time to be happy that's really the result they're looking for and the better we define it then the better we can now go and search for what does that require how can we progressive presents married to your home I'm disgusting. Oh, house, don't say that. You could live someplace so much better than me. That's not true. Oh, yeah? Look at these uneven stairs. Gross. House, you know I don't care. Ugh, and the squeaky door hinge. I think it's cute. No matter how much you already love your house, you'll love it more knowing you could save big bundling your home and auto with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. How can we, uh, you know, achieve this result that we want? And I, I often refer to thinking and thriving. So to thrive or to optimize, to flourish requires a lot of thinking. And the thinking is two-pronged. So it's one is thinking clearly about what is the result. Like I, I'm using your, your terminology now, right? But it's how I've always thought of it. Thinking clearly on what, define what do we want to achieve? What is a worthy goal? And then you have to do a lot of thinking. You can't just do it randomly to achieve it. So you also have to think, now you've got to go out and solve the mechanism. Now, in this case, I wonder, you can't really outsource it. 
when it's when it's your own happiness or something. Uh, but yet, how you know maybe you can. Is that anything that sounds like your framework applied to our own personal lives? And do you Wonderful. apply it in any other ways? Do you apply? Do you apply it? Or I might now. I might now. Okay. Uh, how do you? What's your idea of flourishing? Or like, what, what would you say? How would you define success? Maybe if you, that term's easier to deal with. Um, or and what's the secret to it? Do you think? It looks like this. So, uh, eyes closed. Being. That's that's what flourishing feels like for me. Okay. I get a lot of that too, because I think a big aspect of what I, what I inject into what is living a flourishing life is appreciation. It's this, uh, people sometimes call it gratitude. I'd call it appreciation. And there's not enough of that slowing down and just appreciating what's going on now that this is good. Um, and this actually moment, I think this moment, this moment is good. Yeah. And and I think of, there's a part of the unconscious that's going on all the time telling us if a moment's good or not. Okay. When I wake, I can wake up next to my beautiful daughter and beautiful partner and they're all both laying there in bed. And I see that my unconscious goes, not enough, go work out, go build your business. It's not enough yet. But then if I can see that thought and then I say, this moment is good. Then I start to see that my unconscious is always ranking all the time if a moment's good or not. Mm -hmm. Is this what you mean when I've heard you say something about people are always waiting to feel better? They're not feeling good now? I mean, because I mean, I think about a lot about that too. I often talk about people just thinking that they're trying, I'll be happy when I get to such and such a point, when I have this, when I have that, when I have achieved this. And I just think you can do it right now. Be, be in the moment sometimes. I mean, you can't just sit in the moment and just zen out and then your life's going to be better. You have to take action. But I mean, you have to enjoy it or else you're never going to experience that emotional, that happiness. I mean, you have to be able to appreciate that you've, that you've done something. So I don't know well, if that's kind of what you're talking about. but No, it's, 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 it's a little different. Okay. I mean, I mean you're not that's, not, that's not wrong. I don't think it's wrong at all. Uh, what, I, what I'm talking about is being it's it's uh i i I was in sedona and this is acupuncturist and she's she activated her like chi energy or something for me Mm -hmm. for a moment she said she put her hands like this like six inches apart and she said put your hand in between my hands and i put my hand in between her hands and as soon as i did i felt like my hand was stuck there and like it was slow and thick and it was nothing but a space between her hands and my hand I was like, what is that? Yeah. What is like, that? That is the power of being. Have you been able to understand a lot more about that? Like how, okay. how did, how do okay. I do that? I don't think so. <laughs> Cause I like, I love the sound of it. I just don't know. Like if we can grab onto that and you know, it's yeah, something worth, you. worth exploring. Yeah, I can do that right now. So, oh. Okay. Yeah, we can do that right now. So if you think about like what you want right now, mm-hmm. place all your attention on the wanting without acting on it. Okay. I want money. Instead of acting on that, just see if you can contact the desire for wanting money. 
Okay. One of two, one of two things will happen. It'll either grow more agitating or you'll relax into it. If it grows more agitating, you're at risk of being under the control of a compulsion that's driving your life without your control, mm-hmm. your conscious control. The way that you, the way that I ended my suffering was by putting my attention on the search to end my suffering. Okay. I can that's hear that. You open right up into being, but you open up right where you're at. The way you open up into being is by being with your mind as it is. So here's another explanation. When you're 15 years old, you want something really, really bad. When you're 25 years old, you want something and you want it really, really bad. When you're 35 years old, you want something and it's always different, but the mind is always wanting something and it goes on and on and on and on throughout your entire life. Your mind is always wanting. So you're like, oh, I don't want that. Oh, I don't want this. Oh, I want this. Wouldn't it make sense to just learn how to be with the wantingness of the mind without being driven by it? So then you're able to do the things that you want free from the compulsion of the wanting. That's how you open up into being, in my opinion. Okay. All right. Well, I like it. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you a few other things there. Actually, one in in regard to your daughter, I have something that I thought about. Um, I remember in one, in one, one podcast, uh, someone asked you about your daughter. You said it was great. And then you went on, they said the thing, the things that girl does to me. And then you didn't really get to elaborate. And I think you did elaborate a bit already. Um, I wanted to try something on here, but um, there was another story you told somewhere about an entrepreneur who helps women solve a problem of uh, landing and hanging on to good men. They kept kind of losing good men. Can for not to have me botch it, maybe you could just tell how what the how that guy thought about how he solved the problem. And I want to follow up with something that I'm going to dare make a connection to. <laughs> but sure. Can you tell us that? Um, man, I don't remember the. If you recall, I don't remember, I don't remember the. I mean, there's plenty of guys that t- teach you how, t- teach women how to catch and keep it. Oh yes, okay, right, right, right. Um, so there's a there's a service. There's an ebook out there, and for the life of me, I can't quite remember it. But it's, um, oh, it's so cool. So that service, he sells an ebook, teaches you how to keep a great guy, and he teaches you how to have a guy melt in your hand. And he says there's one thing more powerful than anything else that you can do for a man. It's not sexual attraction. It's not like how you look and it's not what you do and it's not even what you say to him. And like the women are like, well, what is it? Then? And you know, they're like, there's one instinct that's more powerful than all of these. And you, if you activate that instinct in your man, he will be yours forever. And that instinct is called the hero instinct. If you activate your man's hero instinct and make him feel like a hero, he will be yours forever. Okay. That, that is, that's the story I was looking for. And I didn't want to okay. just say the, the punchline. Yeah. And what I was wondering about when you were saying that it occurred to me, I thought maybe he's, I wonder if this is true. Like this idea of what, what the daughters do to do to these fathers, right? Um, there's a term for it in Korean. They call it and it means like a daughter, silly daughter, crazy daughter, you know, you become a simpleton about your daughter. Um, and I just wonder if part of it is this idea that they activate the, the hero mechanism or something. And the, that the hero instinct, as you said, that, that a lot of daughters look up to their, their fathers as heroes. And this is true with sons too, uh, um, that they look up to them as heroes. So that's why they're so just wrapped around their kids. People just, they own them, 
right? Your kid, your daughter owns you, I imagine, if I can put it that way. And um, now I know it's not so much where she's conscious, she's not old enough to be conscious of, oh, I really look up to my dad, but maybe just seeing her, you want, you motivate you to want to become a hero for her. So I'm just curious if that has anything that what you were think when you, when you, when you said what she does to me, I wonder if that was any of it at all. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to, you know, cut this whole thing so I don't look like an idiot, but what do you think of any of that? I think it's an amazing thought process really. Okay. I think, I mean, now, now, now when I'm going to be around my daughter, I'm going to actually be saying, is she activating my hero instinct right now? And that could change the whole course of the course of my life. So not only do I think it's not an idiotic thing that you said, but I think that's going to add a lot of value to me. When I was talking about the things that she does to me, it was more like, how can you make me feel so much fear, so much love at the same time? Right. Yes. What in the world is going on? Like, I, like, man, she was, she was laying here on the ground to get these LED lights and she was look up at them. And I was, I clicked this, a, a video on my computer and the sound was too loud. And it goes loud. I was like, oh. I look back and she's like, and just went. And I was like, I've never heard her cry this bad. And I pick her up and I hold her and I'm thinking to myself, I'm fine. I'm fine. She keeps crying. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. She keeps crying. I'm like, oh my God, I've totally injured my child for the rest of my life. Oh, this is awful. And then like Jack Lee, my my partner comes racing down and she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I played music and I don't know what's happening. And I was like, but I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I laid down in the beanbag and I just felt this immensity of shame. Like it was like, wow, like this is not a, there's feelings I'm used to feeling and I know how to feel. And then there's these ones that come with your daughter. Holy crap. Okay. Well, thing she does to me. Yes. Good luck navigating all that. <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, but it's, I mean, what excitement I guys talk about it all the time. They just say it's the greatest thing. And then, uh, and then, but then there's all kinds of that. You're going to have to be working through all kinds of stuff over time. Uh, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. I wonder about one more on, on fatherhood then, uh, as far as financial independence, this may maybe seem an obvious one, but would you think that financial independence allows you to be, a better father allows a person to be a better father. And not to say that people who are exchanging all their time for money can't be good fathers, but I just mean, can you, does it allow you more opportunity? Just like money offers you more opportunity in other aspects of life. Is there something in that? Like that? I, if I was to boil it down, man, I love these questions. If I was to boil it down, I would say that the thing that makes someone a great father is that the child can feel their full presence and the weight of their attention on them. Okay. Like, so I'm with her and I'm not with my phone. I'm with her and I'm not with a show. I'm with her and she feels the full weight of my attention. Because okay. you can tell okay. when someone's paying attention to you. That weight is there. I think that's what makes for me a great father. And I get to do that as many times as I want in a day. Right. Because, right. Of the, because of the financial freedom. But if I, I could have a bunch of financial freedom and give my child no weight of my attention and no presence, and it wouldn't mean a damn thing. Yeah. It's, I guess a lot of people want that, but it's even more important for young people, for children early on to feel that somebody cares about them in that way. Now, again, it doesn't mean it's not to say that people who are working all the time can't do that. They can certainly show them that attention when they have the time and all that. But, but I can just see that I, one reason I would want to have more freedom financial freedom or what I'm going to more specifically call time freedom is to 
be able to give my attention to the things and people I care about more. And if I had kids, I don't, but if I, if I did, then that would be, I think that would be a good thing. Um, maybe on something else here, uh, I, just a couple of things. Like one is about, about your mentoring. If you don't, if you don't mind here, the, um, you had some people who you. Okay. If you had, if you had, uh, you had people living with you at a time during oh, yeah. mentoring, that's pretty big commitment to, to being a mentor. So what was that like that experience and what kind of oh, did you get easy. out of it? And give us just a little bit of hint, a glimpse into that. I mean, it was easy. It was a really enjoyable experience. Okay. Yeah. I loved it. I mean, it was all like, you just think about business, talk about business all day. Okay. And I mean, if you're doing what you love, you don't want to stop talking about it. Well, that's just it. That's why I'm in it. That's why I'm in this because I just, you know, I, I just want to have good conversations with interesting people. And when I've got my friends over it, I just want to go on and talk until we can't talk anymore. So um, I understand that. So um, I, one more thing about uh, in regards to optimism, which is what kind of this show is about. I define it a lot more than just the simple ignorance is bliss, kind of everything's going to work out type of guy. Uh, but that's a whole subject on its own. But I was wondering, there was one guy in one of your videos that attended a conference and he said he was all pretty, pretty excited and, and energetic, but then he got even more motivated because he was around so many optimistic people, he said. So I wonder, um, do you think entrepreneurship is an optimistic endeavor by its nature or in, in any way and it requires optimism? And what do you mean by optimism in that context? Just, you know, you don't have to be a pro, just give it the, give it to the Dane way. Like, do you think, do you think you have to be optimistic to be an entrepreneur or? I don't know. Okay. All right then. I, I, no, 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 no. Don't all right then that. That's a great question. Okay. Well, we could think about it for a sec, but. Um, I think it, it's a great well, damn question. Cause well, I think earlier you said something about. Um, I, think, said, I, think life, na- life. I think you need to be naive. Okay. I think, I think being naive helps a lot. What, what do you mean by naivety? Yeah, I mean, you could consider it optimism, but it's like, oh, it's going to work, sure. Because yeah. you have no idea. Ignorance is truly bliss. You have no, no idea of the hundred steps beyond the, yeah, it's going to work. And then you get 20 steps in, you're like, oh, there's 80 more steps to go. Well, I've already started. I might as well finish. But by, I was naive enough to be successful. Thank God. Okay, I would say, yeah, maybe you have to be fearless in that way. I'm not, I don't think you have to have there's a no, down no, 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 no. There's no, there's no fear because I don't even know it exists. I'm naive. Yeah, right. I'm, yeah. I'm naive. I don't even know. There's a tiger in the other room. Like, let's go. Let's go to the other room. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, tiger's there. yeah. I would think you don't need to know exactly the end of the road, like, but you can't, right? But you do have to at least know kind of where you're starting out, but, and, and not, yeah. And be, say, be like, it's going to be good. I can deal with whatever comes, the tiger that comes, I can deal with it. Uh, yes. I will say I, ha- I have ridiculous optimism. Okay. I do. I do personally. Um, it's really cool. Something in my mind knows that it'll work. And so if anything that comes up doesn't make it seem like it's going to work, I don't even consider it. Like I'm always moving forward. I always find a way and I, I'm always thinking it's going to work. And, and then like, if, and if it doesn't work, then I just drop the idea and go somewhere else. Cause I know something's going to work. I just have a deep belief in me that I know something's going to work and I'll find it and I'll keep going until I do. So that's very, I guess, I guess you could say it's very optimistic, but it's just like a, Automatic program. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you, when you, it doesn't take effort. It doesn't take effort. There's no effort at all, dude. I'm not like efforting optimism. I just like, something's going to work. 
something's going to work. I think earlier you said something about a perspective. Uh, I forget it was earlier in this in this talk we just had this conversation at the start. You said something about life requires a perspective or a mindset or something. Uh, I don't know. Maybe no. I missed it. Okay, I don't remember. I don't remember. But you know what's pretty powerful is just realizing this this experience of like it's going to work. Yeah, um, yes. most of my students that fail, they actually come in with a belief that is I only have one chance to make it successful. Mm-hmm. I've, only got one shot. I've, only, I've only got one shot at someone falling in love with me. I've only got one shot at building a business. I've only got one shot at getting in shape. I've only got you, one you shot. You consider That's that a, a good, a good uh, mindset? No. Okay. Cause I, cause I didn't right away. I didn't know if you were trying to, yeah. So no, those are the students that I, fail. I think that is not optimism again. So, and that's what I mean. I don't, I wouldn't, don't, wouldn't want to put out the person who says, this is my one shot, but I know it's going to work because like you said, when it doesn't work, you go away. So you, you know, I'd put it this way as in terms of um, being like, I play sports and being in a, in a goal scoring role. I say, I say that I don't think I'm going to score every time, but every time I think I'm going to score. And that basically just means that I think this is going to work. But then when I re- doesn't work, I go, yeah, of course it's not going to work every time. You know, and I find that is my view of kind of optimism. You know what I mean? So it doesn't mean I'm going to make it work or I'm going to push through and I'm going to push as hard as I can until I realize, you know, things don't work. I've never really thought of it as optimism because what, I, I'm, what I'm trying to feel into here is like I'd say optimism is critical. But I'd actually say that belief is what is critical. And um, we believing in myself has been very difficult to do. And, and I think it's difficult for most humans, but it's been very difficult for me. So. And then I, what's that? I think it's difficult for most people too. Excuse me. Yeah. Go ahead. It's okay. I mean, just like, but then you realize that believing in myself is not actually like a permanent state. It's an experience that I can actually just feel right now. Like, like I could be like, okay, I, well, I, I'm feeling, a, I'm feeling a lot of belief in myself right now, but even that's freaking feeling followed by a thought with an experience or whatever, however it goes down. But, you know, um, if you believe you only have one shot to make it work, you'll be stressed about every decision. You'll try to get everything perfect. It'll change almost every action. If you believe you can try as many times as you want and you know something's eventually going to work, you ain't going to sweat nothing, really. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's optimism or belief. I think, but, but but that doesn't mean optimism isn't necessary. But uh, mm-hmm. I, um, I'm just pretty chill about things working. Yes. Me too. <laughs> I would say that's part of my character is just kind of, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'll be, it's going to be okay. Not necessarily this thing is going to work as I said, but I'm going to work. I'm going to figure it out. So, um, and I think that's what I call that. I, I would call that belief. Sure. Um, I also would might call it confidence, which is based on experience. So you kind of have repeated experiences of things working out when you are properly turned on the right way, then, then you can develop confidence. So you call it belief confidence and overall that's an element or a component of optimism in my view. But, uh, so Dane, I, I mean, we've covered a lot here. Is there anything else you kind of would, would want to cover before we wrap it up? Is there anything I, I missed on there that you thought, no, no. I, well, what, what is it that you're passionate about? I'm passionate about living the best. I, I, I kind of think that we've never had a better opportunity. No humans in history have had a better opportunity to live a good life. Like the, the type of money and stuff you're talking about, that's possible to people. And even if you're not at that level, what we have is way more than anybody else had. And what I mean is in terms of time freedom. So 
I'm all about appreciate that and now try to build your best life in that. And I, and I have kind of developed for a framework for doing that. And I'm living what I call a very successful life, even though you might not look outwardly like, Oh, I'm not rich or whatever yet, etc. And, but I keep building and keep getting better all the time. And I just feel like it's, it's, there's no, it's a tragedy that not everybody feels like this, that not everybody experiences happy, like is happy. It's a, I think it's a, like a, a crime in, in some way. And it's just from poor thinking and poor culture, etc. cetera. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, I'm working on it, but that's what I'm passionate about. I want to kind of share positive uh, frameworks, which I, what I mean by positive is not just optimistic in that way, but like power, empowering frameworks that can help people um, be better because everybody should be living this great life that, that I'm living. And, you know, like I said, outwardly, it doesn't look like to other people, but it's, I'm just loving it. Right. And I want, I don't know why everybody else is not loving it. So I you could call that my passion. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. Okay. And, and um, so the crux of all of suffering, despite like legitimate, like pain and stuff, I'm not talking about like coronavirus sickness and stuff. I'm talking about like self-induced suffering is, is through these mechanisms called identities. Yep inner characters that enjoy struggling inner characters that are comfortable with things being hard inner characters that attack happiness because it's so unfamiliar. So we're hypnotized. A lot of us, myself included, everyone is hypnotized with these different identities and they basically run on autopilot. So um, I've got a bunch of them written down, actually. And, Go for and one, it. Well, one of them is, like, I am someone who gives up. Right? That's an internal identity. Yep. That's not actually who you are. That's only a thought. No, and it's not an empowering thought. No, it ain't. I'm supposed to suffer and things can't be easy. I noticed that one the other day when I was, uh, things were going really smooth and easy. I was like, God, this is so easy. And then all of a sudden my brain was like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's going on? And then I like felt into the identity and I, I was like, oh, God, I believe that things are supposed to suffer and things can't be easy. <gasps> and then I see that fully. And then the trick is not to remove it, delete it, or upgrade it, or fix it. The trick is to be 100% with that identity without trying to change it. Once you have 100% union with it, it just pops out, releases. But until you're like, okay, I'm supposed to suffer and things can't be easy. All right, let's clear that. I'm supposed to be powerful and things things can be easy. I'm supposed to do this. And now you're trying to fix an identity, which reinforces the identity. No, you move as close as you can to the worst thing in your mind make friends with it and be a hundred percent okay with it. Mm, Okay. That's freedom. That's freedom right now. And um, so in terms of like, why are people struggling in one of the greatest times we've ever lived? I mean, many, many reasons. I think one of the bigger ones is these internal identities are just running. And like I grew up um, 
tremendously sick a lot. So I had to take like 15 of these pills a day Mm -hmm. and I can actually, I can actually remember memories taking pills, thinking I'm broken. Please fix me drink. And so I'm literally programming a belief that I'm broken. I need these pills fix me. And I'm doing this every day for years. I'm broken. Please fix me. Then it's not conscious pills going broken. Fix please drink broken, fix please drink. And like, that over time builds an identity. I'm broken. Mm-hmm. But then as you hang out with it, you see there's, I'm not broken. There's a belief of being broken. Yeah. And then you, then you see something like that. You're like, Oh, it's a little nauseating. So then I move closer to it. I move as close as I can to it. And I think, Oh God. Oh, <sighs> broken. <sighs> Believe it or not, I'm not feeling even more freedom than I did a moment ago because I just did that. And I get even closer to broken. I'm like, whoa. Wow, this is a this is a painful thought. Wow. Can I get closer? Can I get as close as I can to this? You know, I'm about 95% of the way there, Matthew. You're working on it. You mean still? In this right, right present in this moment with this current identity of broken. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, working on it, sort of, I would say more waking up from. Because working on it implies something needs to be done. Yeah, right. And, and this is the trip of personal development, flourishing, and identity, is nothing needs to be done. Celebrities live in the ultimate golden identity. Mass sexual validation, big homes all this great stuff, a lot of them unhappy, a lot of them depressed, a lot of them kill themselves. Very much, yeah. That's because building and working on an identity does not make you happy. So if you believe, like, say, you're unworthy and that then money is worthy, having money makes you worthy, and so then you go and build a business to have a lot of money so that you can have worth, When you get there, you won't be happier. You will be disillusioned because you are actually trying to fix an identity. Mm -hmm. When for me, if I say a hundred million, I can feel personal worth wrapped up in that. Mm -hmm. I also feel family wrapped up in that. I also feel this sort of king caretaker quality like creating an estate that people can safely live in being a like this pervasive provider that just eases all pain and all financial struggle for all family for all like that's that's a pretty deep motivation that's a little deeper than where's my lambo Mm -hmm. but like here's here's the thing identity doesn't make us happy because we're all ready, happy. We just forgot because we got so transfixed. Someone told us we're not enough. Someone told us that we're broken. Someone told us that something's wrong with us. And then something like this happens. And then, or we come in a little broken feeling because we carried our parents' beliefs when we're into birth. And if our parents believe they were broken, then we've got it. And now How in the world do you ever do anything with this? If you can be with the idea that you are broken, 
if I can be with the idea that I'm broken a hundred percent and not move and stay, I'm free and I am whole and I can feel it all. I can feel broken and feel the vastness of my being is much greater than that. This is what I care more than anything about is to not get caught in the trance of an identity and to live in a harmonious congruence with what really brings me a lot of joy and pleasure. There are um, many people set goals, whether they know it or not, based on identities. The identity of I'm a fat person, I want to be skinny. So I'm a fat person. That's what the person would say inside their own mind. They're not, we're not usually kind to ourselves. I'm a fat person. I'm tired of being a fat person. So they work out. As they work out, they start to become skinny. As they become skinny, the identity that motivated them is no longer as strong. Because the motivation came from the identity, they slip back into fat. And then they go away from it because there's so much pain over here. And then they get over here and the motivation, because the motivation was this, but this is no longer here. They slip back. So the secret, the real secret to living a super great life that's not driven by identity where you're yo-yoing around everywhere. I'm going to start a business. I'm not going to start a business. I'm not going to get a shape. I'm not going to get into shape. Is to define the values that you want to live every single day. Mm-hmm. And just live those values every single day. So mine are creation, connection, wealth, family, feeling good, play, mm-hmm. something like these. So I wake up, I build wealth almost first thing. Then connection and creation, I'll either create something on a sheet of paper or I'll create something in connection with someone else. And in the first two, three hours, I got these values. It feels so good. So I've got creation, wealth, creation, connection, family. Make sure I have breakfast with them, spend time with them, take deep breaths around them, make sure they feel me and I feel them. Play is hard for me, man. I need to play more. Play is something that I'm missing and I can feel that in my life. Um, and then feeling good. Um, I have this, I'm an inner Leo, born August kind of thing. I don't know if that really matters, but I love, part of me loves trying to look good. You know, and I'm, an, so, I'm, a, I'm not an August guy too, a Leo, and that, that kind of feeling does, uh, does occur yeah. to me too. Yeah, I'm feeling it. And a part of me is like ashamed of it. It's like, I like looking good. And I'm like, you know what? I should just be more like Kanye. No shame. You know, I'm best rapper in the world. No, like, so um, I can get wrapped up in the idea of the image of perfection. It's very strong for me. It's like a perfect, perfect woman, perfect daughter, perfect house, perfect business, perfect me, perfect body, perfect face. I can get caught up in that like crazy. And so I start working out, but I work out for unconscious. I don't know this. I work out for the perfect body. Now I finally got clear. Um, I work out in the morning because I feel good all day. So my value is feeling good. So I wake up and I work out because that's my value. It's not to uh, to look, not, not just to look good, but I do like looking good. But the, the interesting thing is I found a system of working out that's so effective for me. Um, I wake up, I go on treadmill and incline a five at a 3.6 miles per hour or so. And I burn about 200 ish calories on that thing first thing in the morning without food. So it goes straight to my fat stores. 
And then I do a 17 minute yoga thing with a metronome going. So I have to keep going and I breathe through the metronome. So I get in this trance and at the end of it, my body just feels really, really good. And so it's something that I could commit to living every single day because I'm living my values instead of trying to live from my identity. Okay. That's the real stuff. All right. And, yeah. and last thing, um, yeah. I, my, I learned this from my mentor. We created a course on this called Making Friends with the Mind. Okay. It's make, okay. makefriendswiththemind.com. Makefriendswiththemind.com. The mm-hmm. best way to do that is you find the worst thing going on in your head and make friends with it. If you can find the worst thing going on in your head and make friends with it, all the other stuff is kind of like a cake. It doesn't even matter anymore. Okay. And the worst thing is usually a very frightening identity of I'm not enough. And if you can make friends with that, like who's got more power? Who t- you t- who's got more power? The person that says I'm not enough and I'm going to drive to be, or I'm not enough and I can sit fully with it and hold it without moving and flinching. Which one's got more power? I should say the latter. It, it, there's so much more power because they're not fighting against it. If you believe you're not enough and you try to do things to be enough, you actually reinforce that you're not enough. You reinforce the identity by taking action on it. Okay. Knock it off. Knock it off. <laughs> I'm feeling that, Dane. Okay. Well, we well, we can knock this off then uh, on that note. How about yeah. that? So uh, what what I want to say is uh, just for anyone, if, if they're interested to know more about what's going on, they can go to the Mr. Brightside Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash matthew.ca and maybe ask some more questions as to, as to anything you heard today. And maybe Dane uh, might even get involved and answer back or we can see if it's worth talking about uh, reopening up another discussion another time. Um, and, uh, of course, share this, guys, with anybody. If you've got any uh, derived any be- uh, value from it or any benefit and you think someone else would, share it with that person. And, um, yeah, uh, Dane, what about people for you? Uh, where should they go to learn more about you, your book, uh, the foundation, or, uh, which is Start From Zero Now, um, and work you're doing with clients, even that uh, makefriendswiththemind.com, anything that you want to uh, direct people at, where should they go? Well, I'd love to connect with people. If you resonated with anything I said, I love talking about this. I'm trying not to be right with any of it and just experimenting with these things. So if you've got countering things or you want to say anything, please let me know. Um, you can find ways to contact me at startfromzero.com, startfromzero.com. It's a gorgeous website. It's just redesigned. We just launched a new design today. It's amazing. It'll walk you through the different money brains to financial wealth and the systems to build those money brains. It's amazing. Um, and then, um, if you'd like an excerpt of the book for free, you can do that at startfromzero.com forward slash five F I V E startfromzero.com forward slash five. That'll give you a five question framework that you can practice these five questions on anyone you want to learn the people first problem, second sales, third outsource creation, fourth, get a result, fifth scale, six startfromzero.com startfromzero.com forward slash five. Love to meet you. Come say hi. All right. Well, Dane, thanks a lot. Uh, just what you were saying there that, you you know, it's not about being right. That's me too. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking out loud is what I say all the time. And you really helped me think about a lot of things. I really enjoyed talking to you today. Me too. Uh, just great to meet you, man. Yeah, so, you too, man. I'm going to be thinking all kinds of things now. <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy yourself and we'll talk to you later. Okay. See ya. Okay. I got some cheesy lyrics for it. It's like. Mr. Brightside, your time out to refresh 
refuel, and refocus your mind and energy toward building an optimistic framework for flourishing. Life is good. It's up to you to choose the bright side. 